Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Snapshot episode 35. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined by Marvel Snap Phenom. Feels like it's been a while since I've said that. KM Best, who, be. who recently came back from Hong Kong. What a crazy trip. Uh, we're going to dive into it, but first off, I want to just ask for your week in Marvel Snap. Did you get stuck somewhere what? in the U.S., by the way? Yes. Yeah, so... I did. By the way, um, I mean... I went to the UK Creator Clash, uh, which we've talked about plenty of times. But when I came back, Kim, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I told you about this. Surely you were impacted by it. We did a, we did a, we did a podcast from my hotel room. I got, I remember, I got stuck in DC for seven days. Seven, seven. days, criminal. How did that happen? How did it happen? Well, I was stuck in DC for twenty four hours, and then I went there, and yeah. the plane was canceled. And then I was stuck there for two days, and then I went there, and the plane was canceled. So why was the plane canceled? So United Airlines. <laughs> hit some big logistical, I don't know, speed bump. And basically, oh. it seems like with airlines, it's like once something goes wrong, like critical enough, it just domino effects to where they can never catch back up. They have, because <laughs> th there's laws, right? Like pilots can only fly so many hours, so they go illegal um, and then they can't fly. And then also, I think it applies to flight attendants to an extent. So every time we would go to the airport, we'd wait. It was like, oh, the pilot's illegal now. We can't fly the plane. Oh, we don't have a, uh, we don't have a flight attendant. We'll call people, see if they'll come. And then apparently United wasn't paying them like, an additional incentive so people were just like nah <laughs> and they weren't coming yeah yeah uh did they pay for your hotel room uh yes yeah, so they paid for the hotel okay, room, i was gonna say but still that's that's you say that, but I was like, we didn't end up pursuing anything more because it's a pain in the butt, but you should be getting more compensation there all the time if you're stuck yeah. somewhere for seven days. It's wild. No, you should absolutely be getting more compensation. I got no compensation because I technically got to my destination. So here's what happened. I get back to Hong Kong, or I get back to America from Hong Kong. I just had a wonderful flight. Like I slept so much mm. that I reset my sleep schedule. I leave at 11 a.m. Hong Kong time. I get there at like 11 or 12 uh, American time. And I feel like I'm on American time mm -hmm. because I slept exactly perfectly. I fixed my sleep schedule in one go. It was an amazing, amazing accomplishment. I figure I'll pay to get access to the lounge because my layover is expected to be 12 hours. Mm -hmm. I walk into the lounge and uh, she's like, oh, can you uh, like, it's actually so early that it's hard for me to get my boarding pass mm -hmm. because it's so early to check in because I'm 12 hours early. Right. And so I, I walk into the lounge and I, I start talking to the lady at the check-in. She's like, oh yeah, you, your flight's like 12 hours from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, okay, we'll go talk to the lady behind me. See if you can't get a faster one. And so I go talk to the lady behind me and we just we, we we get to see if I can't get a faster one. Get out uh, before the storms is uh, mm -hmm. where I'm trying to get to. There are some storms between me and there. So I start talking to him uh, and, and, and in the course of the conversation, I check my phone and suddenly I see that my flight has been canceled. So now I have to figure out if there's anywhere I can get to where I have relatives so I can stay somewhere. That becomes the immediate conversation. So I end up staying with relatives uh, for the, the, the few days after that. I don't make it home. I make it to like somewhere else before they close down a bunch of airports, right? And I am I stay with relatives until Friday, my girlfriend makes the trip down to where we are. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very nice little vacation. We eat very well. Uh, the relatives cook just a 
ton of awesome food. It's, it's nice. It's great. My girlfriend is there. Uh, and the entire time what's hanging over my head is, you know, my original flight plan would have, and I, I double checked this, but if I had stuck to my original flight plan, what would have happened is I would have been stuck in an airport that was getting closed down before my flight took off. Mm. That's what would have happened if I had managed to get on my original flight. Mm. So basically the best possible outcome, actually, given all factors, it was just, you know, I got home yesterday. Mm. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. I have a question for you. So you said mm. you slept on the airplane the entire time. Were you not the entire time, but like a lot of most it. of it. Were you flying economy? Yeah. Did you? Are you a? Are when you sleep in the airplane? Are you a back sleeper? Like, do you sleep backwards in the chair, or do you sleep frontwards uh, on the, uh, on the chair table? Uh, usually, okay. So I'm, I'm a window, right? Okay. I lean on the window. Okay, got it. That's got my it. move. That's, That's my move. move. That's my go-to. I was window on both of the flight to Hong Kong and back. People are like, "Why wouldn't you want aisle?" No. No, 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 no. You need that headspace so you can lean. It's really, it's crucial. Uh, I'm an aisle guy because I frequently have to use the restroom. I feel like I hate like having to wake people up on long. Oh, long I just like purposely dehydrate myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that you can, you can sleep on a car and be like that. I used to be able to, but now, like, I, I mean, I'm not a super small person by any means. So like, I just, I'm definitely bigger than you. I know you're definitely bigger than me. So I'm (laughs) asking is like, I'm trying to figure out the, like the 3d chess of the ergonomics of, uh, cam. Okay. So normally, normally what I do is, uh, occupy the, whatever armrest I get. Mm -hmm. That one's mine. It's mine. You like, I I don't care what the rules are. It's mine. I'm taking it (laughs) at least half of it. Right. Because like the person in the middle, I feel like is supposed to get two armrests. Mm-hmm. I feel like the person in the middle is supposed to get two armrests, but like maybe they can spare the top. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I'll lean over and I'll get off the armrest. Uh, That's how it works for me. The greatest. That's how it works for me. The greatest dance of the armrest is like who? <laughs> yeah, I feel like the rule is person in the middle gets the armrests. But as far as sleeping on planes, I'm weirdly good at it. I mm. think uh, I would highly recommend an eye covering and earplugs yeah i didn't think they'd make the difference that they did you don't need to go fancy with it but they made a huge difference so basically what i did was i watched the entirety of the last of us on the in-flight uh thing over the course of all of my flights and i read the second book of wheel of time if anyone spoils me i hate you and i slept the entire rest of the time for both the flight to and from Hong Kong. Mm. All right. Well, break break down for me the actual Hong Kong experience. Also, please set the foundation for people who don't know, like right. what the tournament, tournament. etc. Yeah. It was the ER, uh, Marvel Snappers Assemble. And ER Esports, from what I could gather, is an esports event or an esports uh, organization that is dedicated to like teaching people about esports, like esports education. So it's like, I assume, based on what I saw, that there's some level of like government or municipal support for this, right? I assume that it is uh, like some sort of outreach to kids program on some level, I guess. Mm-hmm. But what I saw when I got there was honestly pretty mind blowing for me because we get there and it's legit. Like the stadium is legit. It is inside this four story arcade thing with a main stage and all this ridiculous, incredible stuff that I never have seen in my life before. Like it is 
a legit full-on production thing incredibly incredible like there are dudes making me sound good i'm getting hair and makeup i like it is it is immense there's uh an audience who there's like a not an audience an announcer who like does a walkthrough which by the way there was like this really funny bit that i i noticed that i'm not sure anyone else would find particularly funny but in the announcer's speech, the first thing she mentions when she's like, this game was designed by famed card game designer Ben Brode. His designs incorporate elements of RNG. It's just like that made me laugh a ton. Uh, but yeah, Brode recorded a video for the event. A bunch of the people from the publishing team, I think uh, Newverse and uh, ByteDance were there. I got to meet them. They were incredibly kind and nice to me. Uh, I ended up ditching a dinner that I didn't know I was invited to until I'd already made other commitments with them. So I, I had to apologize profusely for that so I could stream with Jake and Torikun, who were the finalists and were the, the finalists of the event. Uh, Jake Doan, who is doing content now. So do check him out. And Torikun, who is, uh, I believe, working for Snap.Fan, been a friend of mine for a while in the scene. So there is just I mean, there's just a ton to recap for the tournament, though, the interesting thing is decklists were submitted basically the day before Twitch rivals. So nobody was on brood. Interesting. Nobody. So it was all people who were not on brood. And so that is like a, a whole thing where like I do. I do sort of wonder about that. There was a player who really impressed me. His name was uh, CQ. He I think like he he ended up basically losing by a margin of one cube to Tori Kuhn. And I was so impressed by everything he did because he was in the, the quarterfinals and he was a retreat now gamer. Lambie and I had to pull him aside to be like, yo, dude, you need to retreat later. This, this <laughs> button is all downside. Yeah, like, yo, dude, you imagine if you didn't do this. Like, like, like he, he was clearly someone who played a lot of games before. One of the first questions I asked him afterwards, like, have you played poker? And he was like, yeah, I know. Because you, you could tell the way he played poker. He was incredibly composed under pressure. He was incredibly uh, talented. I, I, would, I would keep an eye out for that guy. I was so impressed with him. And, of course, Tori and Jake in the finals. Uh, just great job, Tori. Uh, very, very awesome. I had a ton of fun casting the mm -hmm. event. I hope to do more events in the future. I will say I do think uh cuz I know I know Lambie and I negotiated our pay together. We were like, "Yo, this is how much we want." Mm -hmm. I, I think I learned a lot of stuff like don't negotiate your pay when your plane ride is uh 20 hours and their plane ride is 3 together. Don't do that. Don't take the same amount as that. <laughs> you should probably ask for more money when your when your thing is delaying multiple days of your life and theirs isn't. I, I did learn that lesson. I probably should have done that. Uh, I I also I also learned the lesson of like get the itinerary before because I wanted to actually see if I could spend some time in Hong Kong. I was totally unable to spend mm -hmm. any time in Hong Kong. I arrive at ten thirty at night Hong Kong time. Call time is seven thirty. So I have a little bit of dinner. I can't even stream that night. I have a little bit of dinner, which uh, was very good. They ask what I want for breakfast. And I say I love noodles. And they make fun of me for that the entire time, because apparently that's like a, a, like a like Hong Kong noodles is like the ramen. And they just they're just they're just I, I, I'm a typical blundering American, basically. Mm. And so I eventually I get back to my sleep, my my hotel, I get to sleep, I set my alarms, I wake up, 
get there at 7.30, crush it with all due respect. Absolutely crush it. But that's 12 hours, basically. Mm-hmm. It's, it, we, it's from 7.30 to like 7 in, at night is about when we finish up. Then I go stream until about 11. Then I go to bed and then I wake up to get on my flight and I have to get to the airport by, you know, 8.45. And so the total amount of time I spent in Hong Kong, not in the airport, is like maybe 24 hours. And the total amount of time I spent not working or sleeping there is like maybe none. Mm. Yeah, which is a bummer because Hong Kong is a pretty cool city um to see dude i oh my god it's so cool <laughs> like, like there's so much to do there where were you staying and i got to do absolutely none of it we were out in cyberport okay. so we didn't get to stay in the city proper but there's so much stuff and just like there's so many things that i did want to do i thought it was going to be like okay because i saw the itinerary i was like okay i got like a couple days here and then it turns out when i when i actually got the flights booked it was like oh no those days are all flying hey mm. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. Six day trip. I'll fly out one day, have four days there, fly back one day. No, two days flying. No. Yeah, I think Hong Kong as well has probably one of the best um, public transportation systems in the in the form of their metro. It's like extremely convenient. Very, very nice uh, as well. So easy to get around. I think last time I stayed in there was in Kowloon. I think that's the area name. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to remember. It's been a few a few years. But yeah, bummer you didn't get to get to see more of Hong Kong. But I'm happy the tournament went well. You're the yeah caster caster compensation is really interesting. It's good that you guys did did collaborate because yeah, I know there's uh, there's definitely some historical <laughs> examples of people I'm not just, doing that and it's it's hectic. i'm uh i mean i'm super grateful i'm super grateful but i learned a lot of lessons that i'll need to apply next time but i feel like that's the kind of lesson that you won't learn until you learn it you know yeah. I'm very happy to see all of these grassroots tournament or, uh, organizers for marvel snap as well they're definitely sort of carrying the weight um it seems of like the the i don't know would you say i don't know growing competitive scene for what there is like they're reaching out to people having casters come over like it, it's awesome to see and i think that we're seeing more and more of that as time goes on and i think it's weird second dinner you know while not like directly supporting it they are definitely out there on the periphery and they seem to be sort of giving it the the thumbs up right like ben bro doing the video for them etc it's good yeah it's good to see it's good for the future i think um but yeah happy you're able to do that talk to me about <laughs> Twitch drops KM because that was hectic. Uh, I mean, I wish I no. See, like, here's the thing. This is one of the other things. Like, if I had known this was Twitch drops, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, I would have asked for like double the money. Yeah, you definitely. <laughs> you took a big opportunity cost on that one, I think. In the, in the I end. did, and I had no idea I was doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I really wish I had been able to know that ahead of time. I really do. I I I think it was obviously awesome. I I love to see other people succeed, but I also love for that to be me. <laughs> it could have been me. It could have been. No, it probably wasn't going to be me. And a rising tide lifts all boats. And so I am happy to see people like I think people seem to have like the major people seem to have boosted their viewer accounts by like probably about 25 percent mm-hmm. so far. And I obviously haven't done that. I didn't put in nearly the work in Twitch drops because I was on planes and I didn't have a chance. And I am happy to see that boost for the people that seem to have gotten it. Yep. Twitch drops, such a sequitur thing for Marvel Snap. Just makes so much sense in terms of like how the game works in terms of progression with the cosmetics. I mean, I'm happy that it finally came right. And we did, we saw the success that we expected to see. Like it, they, 
they hit it out of the park. Um, and I'm sure we'll see it come back as well. So it'll definitely be on be on the next one. Anyway, Cam, let's go ahead and head into the the listener question section, the bend and snap this week. It comes from Matthew Grootman. And they say, which card surprised you the most on power level between your initial impression of the card and the impression you got after actually playing with the card? The most on power level between my initial impression and the impression I got of playing with it. Oh, mm. that's Legion. Yeah, I, I I was the one making the argument like, oh, this card is playable, but he ended up being like the best card in the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was I was the I, I I remember talking to you like, you know, this is actually like a good counter to Storm, right? I was like, oh, this could see some real play, and then it turns out it's not like a counter to Storm; it's a counter to Marvel Snap. One of the things they mentioned in the nerf notes was like, okay, this reduced the amount of RNG in the game. Marvel Snap is a game that fundamentally that relies on location RNG. Legion reduces the amount of location RNG, and that sort of made it all click together. They have a habit of doing this, where they'll mention something offhand that'll make everything click. Like like when they mentioned, uh, you know, Mr. Fantastic, it's actually a lot worse now because of Jeff. It's like, oh, yeah, that is what it is. That is exactly what it is. And so, like, with Legion, I had the same moment, the same moment where it's like, oh, uh, that's 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 reducing the amount of location RNG. That's a recipe for the better players winning more of the time. No mm. wonder we love this car. Right? <laughs> like, no wonder Lambie and Moyen and me are just like, you just put this in every deck. Like, this is the best card in the game. What are you talking about? And no, like, no wonder there seems to be some debate about that. Right. Mm. Like. I, I, I he scales with play skill so well in such very such very very unique ways. So I think I think it's definitely Legion figuring out that he's not actually like a counter to specific things, but a counter to the game itself is uh, I think it's just a very weird one to play with. And I, like I said, I was higher on him than pretty much anyone else was. Yeah, like, I, I, I deserve a little bit of credit for that, but I still think that counts as an L. Because I clearly underestimated him, even though I was the only person who was like, yo, this is like kind of decent. Yeah, I think Legion's definitely up there for me. And you said it. I mean, when we talked about it on the podcast before it came out, we were most people were pretty cool on the card and were like, oh, I mean, this is a generously statted, usually neutral yeah. to positive effect on your game. It's like, it, it's just it, it's a good card. Good card, but it turned out to be a great card. I think another one for yes. me is, uh, is Mirage. I think Mirage, I was a little bit high on, not crazy high but i thought that card would be a bit more playable than it is and also x23 i think mirage actually is pretty playable yeah i just like i I was i think i think it fell exactly where you thought it would which is like this is a good two drop and uh jeff is better yeah i think uh i guess in the context of legion outclassing it so much in that month is kind of was was like oh maybe i kind of it's like it's like the dual package where i was like legion and mirage were right there and i was kind of like looking at mirage but legion was secretly what the card Ah, um also x23 i thought x23 would definitely be a bit more impactful i mean the the fact i think she's awesome i think she's incredibly impactful Mm -hmm. a deadpool deck sucks without her yeah it's trash you it's unplayable without her and it's like tier 1.5 with her yeah i thought that i thought that card i thought that card was like possibly game breaking for cheating the uh the resource multiple times but maybe maybe just not in the current state of the metagame maybe we'll see it sort of come full circle i mean like i said i think the deadpool deck like it is i mean she is the reason it exists it Mm -hmm. does not exist without her you could call it an x23 deck like you Mm -hmm. can't play it without her it's complete garbage when you don't have her yeah um (sighs) 
yeah, I guess I guess that's it for me. I'm also I also think when I first saw Zabu, um, I knew how powerful reducing cards was, uh, especially in the context of like kind of where Sarah had been there and previously before. But I didn't really fully appreciate how ridiculous Zabu would be when it did come out, and then people came out with the Rock Slide deck plus Corey and all that, and it just absolutely dominated the metagame. Uh, but Thank you for the question, Matthew. If you want to get your question read out on next week's podcast, you can leave a comment on YouTube for the Bend and Snap, and we'll get over to it. Anyway, Cam, you want to talk about future broken cards because we have a new season coming up as well as a bunch of new cards. I just want to get right into it. First off, I want to, your macro high-level impressions of the upcoming season and sort of the theme for the cards you see coming out. Happy? Um, I don't really think like that mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, I i am very much a take it day by day guy mm -hmm. and so like i think loki i i wish he worked like how i originally read him because i read him as get a full hand of cards from your opponent's deck and i was like that's awesome this is going to be an incredible card and if it's since it seems to just be replace it's like oh because uh, like what i want to do with him yeah. is hand up, hand up, hand up, hand up, hand up, play Loki, more cards, more cards, more cards, more cards, more cards. And I actually think that's a pretty hard deck building thing to make work because when you hand dump, you use up all the space on the board. So it's like, what is the value of these other cards that you're getting? How do you conserve space while hand dumping at the same time? You can't really do it with Zoo because it's like, okay, you do it with Zoo, you get Killmonger, but also because you need to play, you know, Kazar and Blue Marvel. Those are the things that make that deck work and you won't be able to Loki with those. So how do we actually make this work? And I, I was like, okay, that's a really interesting deck building question. I would like to play a hand dump into refill type deck that has never existed in Marvel Snap. It's never been an archetype and then i read loki again and i was like oh he sucks i get it now i get it now yeah i mean effectively that so that'd be drawing a lot of cards uh effectively and yeah i mean marvel snap is definitely they play it pretty conservatively happen at five man <laughs> like give me something give me some ability to have gas that's what crystal used to do Crystal used to shuffle and draw three, and she was too bad to play because I assume they're being very careful with an effect like that. But it's like this is one of the one situations where like, hey, your random bullshit card, like your random bullshit fucking fill up your hand card could actually be good in that scenario. Mm. Like you you go like hand dump Quinjet collector and then like Loki on five and then just like play a bunch of shit on six and you're already probably ahead. And it's like, wait, that's actually pretty compelling because in Marvel Snap, there isn't as much chaff. Yeah. Like cards that suck are still, you know, Cyclops is a three, four that becomes a two, four. That's actually good, right? Like even the cards that suck are good. And that I think meant that they had to balance this a little bit harsher than they otherwise would. Because if this was Hearthstone, it would just be fill your hand with your opponents. I mean, yeah, right? I mean, like, <laughs> Hearthstone like, is yeah, Hearthstone is wild with some of those effects now, like um, like Wheel of Fortune, just got a random generation. Uh, so mm -hmm. Loki, for the people that don't know, is a it's the upcoming season pass cards to three five, and it says on review or place your hand with cards from your opponent's starting deck, give them minus one cost. I mean, one thing that stands out to me about Loki is that it's it's generously statted, right? Three five. 
five. That's like mm-hmm. on par with Polaris, which is a fine sort of mid range card. You know, Polaris effect sometimes not being the most important part of that card. Decent stats. Um, re- you know, minus one cost. That's powerful if you're re- doing that on multiple cards. You know, up to you know, three to four cards potentially. I think that this is you know maybe obvious. Would do you think you would run the Quinjet in this deck? So you have the Quinjet on board now. You're reducing yep. by two. Um, the question comes to me is like. If you're playing six costs out of your opponent's deck for four, that that's great. But if I, let's say your opponent is playing some sort of synergistic deck, you pull some random amount of cards in them, you don't get, let's say it's Zoo, right? You don't get the Blue Marvel, don't get the Kazar, you just have a bunch of shit right. cards in your hand that cost one, right? And this, right. giving them minus one cost, that's interesting because Quinjet was obviously, used to say this, but was reword, reworded to minimum one this seems to not have that context right or have that you'll you'll, you'll play zero you'll play ones for zero but quinjet will not let you play twos for zero Mm. is my understanding of it right yeah uh the same way like sarah and elysium work like the the one that says no is the one that matters right sarah will never actually affect it to reduce below uh to reduce to zero and even like i i do wonder if secretly somehow there's like a rules engine where like it happens in order somewhere. I I wonder about that because like, it's pretty impossible. I'm sure it's happened. Uh, But since Sarah's an ongoing effect, it probably just never ever happens. But like with an on reveal effect like this, I am a little bit curious, but both Sarah and Quinjet are ongoing. So yeah, who knows? Uh, Obviously if you get Loki and Elysium, it will discount to zero, Mm -hmm. but like since both Sarah and Quinjet are ongoing, neither of them will ever actually discount a card to zero. Only Loki's effect can discount ones to zeros. The twos, sorry, that's it's never going to stack like that because of the ongoing abilities. And I think the interesting thing is if they were like on reveal, like if Sarah was like uh, on reveal, reduce all the cards by one, they can't go below one or something like that. Uh, and then an ongoing effect applied, it would work. But who knows? Yeah. <sighs> I'm thinking about Loki, so I'm doing sort of on-the-fly theory crafting here, but I wonder if you'd play him in potentially like a Thanos deck. Um, you do play that Quinjet out, then you're playing the stones sure. to generate more cards in your hand because you're drawing cards, um, you know, maybe getting the additional effects of those, and then you're Loking on three, and you're getting, you know, a full hand of cards that are minus one cost. And that seems like it could be powerful. Obviously, it's this... I actually like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's cute. I mean, like, you can kind of do anything in Thanos. That actually, that that that's compelling. That's a direction to investigate okay definitely a high variance card though but will like it's you know there's a level of controlled variance there where it's like making putting minus one cost on an entire hand of cards is so fundamentally powerful in marvel snap that it it somewhat doesn't matter what archetype your opponent is playing because you'll be getting way too much value out of loki right like right and the more of them you can get the better that is and thanos is a deck its hand is always goddamn full right mm -hmm. like that's that's I feel like that's compelling because like we've seen from Lockjaw, right, that converting your stones into value is really, really strong. And this is a a way to do that. Yeah, no, I mean, that I didn't think of that at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where do you I just want to get your sort of final take on it. Where do you see the power level as of now? Like, is it jumping out to at like this crazy season pass card power level? Or are you just like it's either I mean, like, look, you've played other card games before. You know how effects like this normally go. They normally suck. They're normally complete garbage. But I think he has a chance. I just think he's very hard to find a home in. And I can't wait to see what people cook up. But I do expect there to be a lot of, like, 
yo, it's day one. I broke Loki. 40% win rate. Yeah. Like, there's going to be a lot of that. Well, <laughs> there's going to be one aspect of this card that I think some people are going to pitch, which I think is the least relevant part and the least impactful part. But they'll be like, you get full information on your opponent's deck. It's like... That's, I've not heard anyone pitch that. Someone will pitch that. There are definitely some Howard the Duck truthers that are maybe listening, or they exist somewhere in the universe. They're going to be like, you get to see your entire your opponent's entire deck. You get to see like you know six cards of them. Um, I actually think seeing six cards is actually kind of useful, but like it's not a reason to play the card. Yeah. It's a fringe. It's it, fringe. Effectively, right? you get to like, see their entire deck. You know, you will see like. Yeah, I think that actually is useful. Like. Yeah. It's not like a reason to play the card. That's 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 the difference, I think, with me and like the Howard truthers, right? I'm not here saying information isn't useful. Yeah. It's super useful. Is it a reason to play the card? No. But it can be if the card is doing other stuff. The issue with stuff like Howard is uh it's not. Right? Like I actually do like it, like this is the issue with Kang too, right? Like mm. information is awesome. It's so sick. I like it is so cool to have information. But what's not cool is the opportunity cost of giving up an actual card in your deck to do it, right? Yeah. Like that's actually like that's actually what the conversation is about. And I feel like it's been it's been phrased poorly or maybe purposefully misunderstood by many that like people who don't like Howard are saying, you know, it's it's the information is useless. No one's saying the information is useless. They're saying you're the opportunity cost of not running like Iceman or Kitty Angela is too high. Too high. There was a card, um, and I'm not fully familiar with the history of like how it was, you know, how little it was played and then how much it was played, but it was definitely one of them. It was banned. That's called Getaxian Probe. I'm sure you're, you're, uh, familiar Getaxian with Probe the is different because it's free. It's free. Yeah. So it's free. Um, and yeah, the information is basically like it draws. It's, it it's also different because it draws a card. Yeah. Right? Like, like, yeah, yeah, it draw, it's free and it draws like so it's free both in terms of you you pay two life instead of actually paying any of the resource in magic, right? Uh, but it's also free in terms of replacing itself. Yes. If Howard the Duck drew a card, he'd be fucking broken. Yep. He'd be the best card in Marvel's snap. It wouldn't even be a question. If he had his ability and also said draw a card, amazing. Best card ever. Like you staple draw a card onto any card in snap. It is immediately one of the five best cards. In the mm -hmm. game. Especially Unless it's a six. Cost. I mean, if they cost zero too. So the thing about Gataxian pro and the one, the thing that stands out about it is like, uh, you can see your opponent's hand. That's great. You pay two life. That doesn't really matter in magic, the gathering, but you also get to play a 56 card deck. <laughs> Which yeah. is fantastic. And like that, to be clear, most Gitaxian probe decks were also street wraith decks, which street wraith cycles for two life, which is pay two life, draw a card. Just that's the ability it has. It doesn't do the see the hand thing. You just play that too, because that's broken. Free card draw is broken, right? Like the fact that Gitaxian probe sees hand, that's just like the like it's there. It's cool. You'd play it if it was just street wraith, though. If yeah. it said absolutely nothing and drew a card and was free, you'd play it. Yeah. I'm going to give my verdict on Loki. I think that Loki will be powerful. I think that if you can get... Really? I think if you can get a max hand size of cards that are reduced by one I like the Thanos cost, thing. Yeah. I like that a lot. If you can do that consistently, if you can get that many cards that are reduced by one, and you can... I know it's a reasonable amount of variance to play the, the Quinjet on one or two prior to the, um, to the Loki. But ideally, if you can do that... I think you're going to be in a ridiculous spot. I think that, you know, Quinjet into Loki, um, if you're playing a deck like Thanos, is a retreat on your opponent's side, which is fair Which is fair enough. I think that you will be simply getting too much value by reducing an entire hand of cards by two. 
And three five Solid. three five is generous, right? That's the thing with Legion as well. Like Legion, obviously different uh, different effect and different reason why it's good. But Legion is this card that has a good effect, like even a borderline great effect. And for it is for some reason it is generously statted. We would play Legion if it yeah. had worse stats. I think Loki is one of those cards where it is generously statted. Loki is, I think, still a consideration at a 3-4, potentially even a 3-3, if you're getting the entire hand of minus one cost. Um, but again, this, like, your initial impressions of the card, they, um, you know, they, they stick with me as I make my verdict where it's like, you know, it could still be this kind of like, I don't know, meme card, meme card, basically. It, it does have a somewhat meme effect. I, 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 you've talked me up on the card because... I've been so disappointed from when I realized that it didn't do what I wanted it to do, mm -hmm. which is uh, like, I don't know if people know this. I'm an aggro player, yeah. right? I would love a deck in Marvel Snap that just played like Flame Imp, Flame Imp, Flame Imp, draw three cards. I would love a deck that was just like, that rewarded me for just being an ape. And just like points, card draw, points, card draw, dump hand refill. I love that. Like my my when I hit rank one in Magic, it was with a mono red deck with experimental frenzy, which is the deck. definition. Yes, the definition of just like hand dump. Actually, I will say this: it was actually a mono red deck that cut experimental frenzy to go under the other mono red decks, which was the correct choice at the time. By a lot, it was the best deck by a lot because you just you just you, you just went under everything, right? Uh, the frenzies were still in the sideboard, but that's 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 beside the point. This is like four years ago now. But like, yeah, that's the kind of game I want to play. I want to play just like, here's my stuff. Here's more stuff. I want to run you over. And there's no way to run people over in Marvel Snap. Man, card design is so interesting, Cam, especially in the context of like the history of card games we have and the history of effects that get reprinted in new card games. Like the like what you're talking about, I, I think that there's a Pokemon card called Professor Oak. I don't know if it's symmetrical where your opponent also discards the hand and draws up, but like basically discarding your hand once you and drawing back up to seven is like one of the most broken effects you can do in a card game. It's incredible. Um, like Lorcana printed Wheel of Fortune. They li like Lorcana is a game that has like it's all like one mana two twos basically it's like so vanilla and then they printed wheel of fortune which is you just right, so you, you just hand you hand dump and then wheel of fortune dude, right it is so busted it's crazy <laughs> yeah. it's like you're playing you're playing vanilla like you have draft chaff level cards and constructed and then your opponent is ramping dump, hand dumping and wheel of fortune it's like it's so wild uh yeah. by the way for people listening wheel of fortune is discard your hand draw seven basically um and while it's a symmetrical effect you manipulate the board state to where you're not in a symmetrical area anyway yeah, what you do is it's discard your hand draw seven you just coincidentally happen to have no cards in hand so it just says draw seven <laughs> good effect all right let's move on let's move on to the next card which is uh how do you pronounce alioth is that it Alioth, Alioth. I don't know. It's been a while since I watched Loki. Uh, this card was a card everyone was afraid of at five and mm -hmm. at six. It's suddenly not even close to as scary, but I still think there's like a very funny like I, I, I don't know if you could ever pull it off, but like if you go like, I don't know, ramp Zola, like that's pretty funny. <laughs> it's probably not as good as like, I don't know, uh, ramp. Uh, Shuri Death Strike Zola or whatever, right? Like it's probably not as good as that, but it's pretty funny. Yeah, so Alioth is a 6-5 that says unreveal, destroy all enemy cards here played this turn, including unrevealed cards. Um 
I mean, like you're talking about, so could, when you talk about the uh, the Zola, you're doing this on two lanes, but if you have a lane that's one, whether you've um, Professor X'd it or something like that, or maybe you've had a, some other effect or you have so many points on there, I mean, this can effectively win that, that other lane, right? Like there's not a lot of ways to beat this unless you beat it before turn six. Kind of like a leader. This is another card I was thinking about in Thanos. Okay. Talk like that's the premier Professor X deck, right? Yeah, Premier Professor XX also has Time Stone, right? So you can Professor X on turn four. Right. You could pot potentially Alioth on turn five. So like you scam that you scam out the Professor X, right? You play like a Devil Dinosaur. Mm -hmm. You're probably winning two lanes. You play Alioth. Their like counterplay to the Devil Dinosaur dies before it's revealed, and that seems awesome. <laughs> like you, 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 you just get this as a. It's like a combination. Like it, it's like a Cosmo if you're ahead, right? They're always going to try to blow up your dino when you do that or go taller than your dino. And it's literally just like the the play pattern of just going, you know, OK, scam a Profex, dino, Alioth. That seems insane to me, right? Does mm -hmm. that not seem insane to you? It does, it seem, really insane. Strong. It, it does seem insane to me. Is Alioth just a better leader at this point? Uh, I mean, that's that. I don't even think they're really similar. Interesting, because I see Alioth, because like what Alioth's main ability, I think, is that it kills before shit comes up. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing that I like about it. Leader, on the other hand, its main ability is it can go cross lane. Okay. So like leadering Doctor Dooms, obviously, very, 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 very good. <laughs> uh, leadering leader, I like. That's the thing that leader does well. Mm -hmm. Alioth, though. The way it punishes people who are behind is extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. Like that specific Thanos play pattern is actually straight up terrifying, mm -hmm. in my opinion, because it's just like, oh, well, I'm dead. I'm losing this lane. Therefore, I am dead. There is no counterplay mm -hmm. because of the way priority works. There is absolutely zero counterplay to me doing to to this happening. Mm -hmm. none and that is i think the place i would play alley off yeah i think that this is like a pretty nice slot into the to the thanos scam list like it, it really seems yeah, like whatever it... deck turbos out like if you're a storm deck right mm -hmm. you go like even like you go like storm jessica jones you go like storm juggernaut whatever storm bullshit you're doing and then you get ahead in one other lane that's it that's your win con you win yeah yeah. Interesting. Do you see it uh, potentially existing in any non-scam deck, right? So just as like a top end to win maybe. a lane. I know it seems weak maybe. there. Yeah, it's like it's like maybe. It seems pretty. It's like it, again, it's about the context. Where this card is going to be the strongest is in the context of you have won one lane mm. and you're ahead in another one. That is just we haven't had a door slammer card like this in a while. Yeah, and it's harder to use than something like Arrow. For sure. But like. Just the the like the fact that we can get back to doing like some priority decks is pretty interesting because I didn't think they liked that kind of archetype existing. The be ahead slam the door decks. I don't think they like that. And I do think this one's again, it's it's a lot harder to make work because like, you know, what happens when you aren't profexing into Dino into Alioth? Is this card even good then? I don't know. But like that kind of situation is the one I would like to generate. And so like my my thought process would be like, OK, let's just get really far ahead, if at all possible, and then just crush them. Uh, downsides of Alioth like. It doesn't stop Dr. Dooms on off lanes or claws, things like that. 
uh, things that would swing the Professor X lane back to your opponent. Like there, there's there's some stuff, right? Like where it's like, okay, this actually is a six five, and that is a downside, right? Mm. But that that specific play pattern of uh, Time Stone, Prof X, Dino, Alioth does seem quite quite annoying. Yeah, I mean, looking at both Loki and Alioth, I think that they are pushing the what seem to be boundaries of design that they've previously kind of pulled back in the past via nerfs after they've been played to be very powerful. This idea of reducing cards, which is very, very strong in Marvel Snap, and the idea of, yes, you, you are in a actual game lock, right? You cannot win this lane. My Alioth will simply win it. I've skimmed yet another lane or I'm winning it by such an overwhelming amount. Um, kind of what you know, Arrow maybe used to do in the, I guess Leader kind of did, I, outside of the Doctor Doom where Leader was just like, yeah, I mean, that lane is locked. Leader is going to win that game, win that lane. And um, yeah. Anyway, let's go on to uh, Ravona Renslayer 3-3. Ongoing. Yeah. Your cards with one or less power cost one less, minimum one. Has anyone figured out what's broken with this yet? I haven't. Because I feel like there's probably something. Like, just discounting cards is always strong, right? But like, Okay, so this discounts Darkhawk, right? Dracula. In Zabu decks. Yeah. This discounts Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, what else? Do we do? What what else is like big and and like one power? Like it discounts uh, White Tiger, mm-hmm. but it doesn't discount Wong. God, <laughs> could you imagine? Oh, that would have been that would have been something. Uh, it discounts Ironheart. It discounts Ironheart and White Tiger. I wonder if there's a home for it in like some sort of on reveal type deck. It discounts, you know, Darkhawk and Dracula. The Dracula one's pretty interesting because like hand dumping in Dracula is already pretty strong, right? Mm-hmm. So like if you're like a Dracula zoo deck, you can use this to more reliably hand dump because it also discounts a lot of your well, it won't discount your ones. So I guess it, uh, 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 mm. I don't know. 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 And it's never been riskier to be a Dracula player with the Lady Deathstrike buff, too. It's that's that's a brutal fucking beating when that happens. Um, hmm. So the thing about Ravona is when I'm trying to evaluate this card, it's asking me to mentally sort of open my catalog of cards that I don't really play, right? Which is, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what cards is this good with? It, it, those cards just don't really exist in like the top decks that I'm playing with all the time. So is Ravona's effect powerful? Uh, I mean, it's maybe, right? But I at a 3 think it body, might not be. Yeah, right? I don't, like I actually, I will say, I think it might not be. But okay, here's the list of cards she will, she will buff. So I think there are some in, some in here that I didn't think about. Here, here's an interesting one. Uh, Cerebro and Mystique. That's something, okay. I think. C3. Uh, both of the goblins will be discounted. Like, turn turn four Hobgoblin is actually kind of interesting to me as well. Um, and I think, I mean, you know, you discount Angela, right? You discount Taskmaster. But here, here, here are two that are really scary. Null and Arnim Zola. Hmm. But I don't know if Null, because Null gets the power in hand now, right? So I don't know if, I don't think he'll work. But Zola, that's pretty interesting, I feel like. Another card that gets discounted, uh, Patriot gets discounted. Bishop, Black Widow, they get discounted. Um, Wolfsbane gets discounted. And White Tiger that we already mentioned. And of course, I mean, Forge is already played, but I don't think that's a reason to play it. You got to look for like something big, right? But I mean, like, okay, Jubilee gets discounted. 
you know, actually, here's something. Both Jubilee and Dracula get discounted by both this and Zabu. And we've had Jubilee, Deck. Dracula, Zabu decks before. Yes. Where there's just like a big guy in there. Mm-hmm. We've had Jubilee, Dracula, like uh, the Lockjaw deck is a Jubilee, Dracula deck. I don't know if that'll matter. But there, there, there are some packages that seem to go together that will benefit from this. It's possible I'm underrating it, actually. Yeah, and we have had... Um... We've had decks that run a, double discount, double discount cards, and then like Moon Gorilla Hand and Hand Dump, like the most ridiculous thing possible. Yeah, I I don't think you can Moon Girl your hand and go like you know Dracula, Dracula or whatever. I don't think that really plays. Uh, you know, Taskmaster gets discounted, right? Like some sort of Taskmaster Zola thing seems compelling to me here. The fact that Null gets power in hand is actually like a pure a huge scam. Because if you, if this thing discounted null, you'd be like, oh, this turns on null into Zola. It's actually broken. Mm-hmm. Like if this thing actually discounted null, turning on null into Zola is like disgusting for those destroy decks. Actually, completely fucking insane. But based on the way null works and literally no other cards of its type work, I don't think it's gonna work. Mm-hmm. But like that 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 is the interaction that really sticks out to me. Is like you go Renslayer. Blow some more stuff up. Null five Zola six with like a Deadpool. That's that's fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. That's 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 really fucked up. Yeah, I think overall Ravona is it's it's tough because we have two cards coming out uh, in the season where we are re- reducing costs, which are those you should always keep an eye on those. But Ravona is the one that, that is sort of the least. Uh, least provocative for me, I'll say. I'll say. But I, I, I keep an eye on like Ravona, Sarah, Patriot, Mystique. Keep an eye on that. <laughs> Every, uh-huh. Yeah, everything's I'm free. really sad that I found the null thing and then it immediately fell apart. Yeah, which why does it, it work? It like didn't that? used to work like that, right? Null didn't count didn't in hand. Yeah, like maybe a little premonition of the developers for I'm actually. I'm actually tilted now. Like I feel like that would have I feel like that was just absolutely breakable with a card that everyone has been overlooking and null now no longer works like that. All right. The last card, Mobius M Mobius. It's two three says ongoing your your cost can't be increased, your opponent's cost can't be reduced. Your thoughts. I think a lot of people are misunderstanding how this card works, first of all. Yeah. So people are like, oh, this brings back Death Wave. No, it doesn't. No, it absolutely does not. Death is going to cost four unless she costs less than four before the wave. That's not she. It's not like it's going to be like, oh, we'll set it to four and get the discount again. That's not going to be how it works. Right. Same with She-Hulk. Unless you, like there is no way for you to play wave and get a She-Hulk that costs two. What will happen is you'll play wave. She-Hulk will cost whatever it was she cost. Like that's that's what's gonna happen. She's you you'll play wave on five. Uh looks like she hulk costs four. Okay, guess she still costs four, right? Six minus two is four. So that's that that, it's not doing that. What it is doing is making wave one-sided, right? That's the interesting bit. Like, can you make wave one-sided in such a way that like you get to play a big six and some small guys, right? And they have to just play one thing, right? That's that's the interesting thing with this. But here's the other question is like, is this the kind of card that is so powerful defensively that it defeats being used offensively? Hmm. Like it's, it's better. Your cost not increased. I, I, like a like a like Luke Cage, right? Mm-hmm. 
It's a card that is primarily used as an answer to something else rather than as a, you know, and you do like, you know, like a Luke Cage Valkyrie, Luke Cage Shadow King. Like these are, I actually really like Luke Cage Shadow King right now. But like there, these are ways to use Luke Cage offensively, but mostly he's just used defensively. And I worry that, you know, if you try to use Mobius offensively, what's going to happen is you're going to run at everyone who's using him defensively. And it's like, oh, why am I even bothering? Like, <laughs> why am I even bothering to build my deck around Mobius wave? when they're just playing mobius and my shit doesn't work yeah i mean wave has always wave has always shined when it's been a pseudo one-sided card i mean post nerf right um so you'd be playing wave into a bounce deck or some sort of go wide deck and your top end is dr doom and their top end is a one drop or something or like a kitty it's 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 okay but mobius yeah this is the card you're right like i mean you're talking about people not understanding it like i i don't know i struggle to see all of the possible use cases where this would be good and to, I think, appropriately value it at that point. Like, it's a bit of an enigma to me. I think it's, like, a pretty strong two. Mm. Like, we could start there. It's just, like, a pretty strong two. You, like, get some free tech against uh, Zabu. You get some free tech against Sarah. You get some free tech against Loki. You get some free tech against Wave, Right. And those cards are all more common than high evolutionary and people still run loot cage. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get like some free wins when Elysium pops up, like just just stuff. Right. Like there's just there's just stuff. It reminds me a lot of loot cage. And that makes me think it's probably pretty good at the very least, because it's like uh, a one extra point of power. B, the stuff it impacts is a little more, you know, notable right like your opponent fills up the raft haha ha, no they don't right there's a lot of there's a lot of little stuff like that where like nice six drop it actually costs six now you know uh there there's there's fun little things that this guy does where i think we'll just find that he's useful in a lot of different spots i'm glad he's i'm glad i'm very glad he's 3k mm -hmm. uh because i don't want i don't think they should gate on power here and i think instead of gating on power this season they gated on cool I like that a lot. I think you sold me on the sort of its wide ranging effect on other people's game plans and strategies yeah. and Zabu, Sarah, Loki, things that we might see come out. I think that it's, yeah, at, at two, three stat, I think it's just fundamentally powerful then. It's just good. Like people play Luke Cage. It's a card people play and it's not wrong to play it a lot of the time. And Mobius is going to be like that, but with an extra point of power where like it's like, it could be a card you see everywhere. Remember when High Evo came out and it was just Luke Cage everywhere? Yeah. Like it could be like that. Yeah. If all these people get Mobius and start doing Mobius Wave, and it's like, all right, nice Mobius Wave deck. Here's my Mobius. Here's my Mobius. Right? <laughs> like, cool deck. It's Mobin time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, like my instinct would be not to use him offensively until the sort of fever dies down. Uh, because I would expect to run into him defensively a fair bit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right well that wraps up our evaluation of the upcoming cards interested to see how we land this this month i will say yeah i think overall most excited for actually the season pass card loki i think that one's going to be the most fun to brew with at least off the bat so happy we're getting it initially cam you have a tournament actually today recording this on a sunday you're recording uh, yeah. you're doing another tournament which you've uh, you've you have it's a pretty interesting title you call it loki's nuts <laughs> what's wrong with that he's nuts. I, I just i just i didn't really he's see he's nuts dude uh, and that guy 
I didn't really, I didn't really see it. And then I'm I not read referencing it. anything else. Yeah. Look at these nuts. Um, well, I just want to ask you, what do you, th- what are you looking at for the expected metagame of the tournament? Obviously by the time this, this podcast come out, you know, the tournament will have happened, but oh. I just want to get your thoughts on the expected metagame. I don't, I don't want I don't want, like, I, I want people to treat this tournament like an infinite conquest. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, there are still less than 128 people in it, which means it is uh, more than 64, less than 128. So we start with like the brackets there. It'll probably be like win four games and you're in the top eight. This is this best of one single elite, mm-hmm. right? So we go from like round of 128, which is like actually like 96 people or whatever, 84, however many people. But the point is, it's more than 64. So we need to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we just go downwards from there. And uh, yeah, until we get to eight. That's pretty much how it works. Hey, you say treat it like an infinite conquest, but I think that there is, there's definitely some, I think there's a lot of prestige for winning, winning a tournament like this. One of the best of the besties. Well, the last person to win one was Moyen. I know. And yeah, I mean, I feel like, I feel like Moyen got pretty popular after the Moyen, obviously coming from other card games, great card game player, very well known, but Moyen definitely, I think, got a lot of respect that he probably already had in the Marvel Staff community after dominating that tournament. I mean, he's looked at as one of the premier deck builders. I definitely, yeah, but he decks. already was one of the best Marvel Snap players. I'm trying exist. to rewrite history, KM, here in your favor. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, All what, right. what do you think is going to be the most prevalent deck? Uh, brood brood so for people listening to this i'm gonna go ahead and read off uh the brood list which is wasp forge mr sinister armor patriot brood silver surfer absorbing man iron lad iron man legion america chavez is that similar to the list that you have in mind yeah i i would i've been trying to figure out how to beat mirrors and other stuff so like one thing i'm really into right now is shadow king loot cage right because it shrinks their broodlings after they get them off absorbing man and I, like I'm into that. I, I like that a lot. Uh, it, it's also like, OK, is that enough that I can cut armor? If I have Shadow King, is that good enough against destroy that I can cut armor? And that I don't know if I have Shadow King. I don't think I need Shang-Chi because Kitty Pride Angela, you hit uh, Shuri stuff you hit. Right. Mm-hmm. So it should be fine. Like most of the decks that try to beat your ass do so like that. The question is if you can cut armor, right? And if it's enough to win the mirror. But I would think, you know, Luke Cage Shadow King is where I would be right now. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about this uh, the move deck a bit as well. It's been around. I mean, I know it's been around for a while now, but that's in the form of Kitty Pride, Angela, Craven, Jeff, Silk, Spider Man, Shang Chi, Captain Marvel, Miles Morales, Legion, Vision, America Chavez. Do you think that this is? How would you sort of compare this in terms of contending with the power level of Absorbing Man Brood right now? Oh, it's it's one hundred percent without question under that power level. But what it loses in power, it makes up for in running Shang Chi, right? Like, it's just a little bit safer, right? If you're playing the Brood deck into something big, right? If you're playing the Brood deck into like Living Tribunal, you kind of just eat shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and to be clear, I think the move deck mostly just eats shit to that too. But like you have some there are some decks where it's like, all right, you're playing the brood deck into Wong Panther Zola, right? You're dead. You're just dead. Like you you don't beat that, right? Mm-hmm. But like the the move deck can shank to it. Yeah. 
I do think the Brood deck just is a better deck right now. They're both attempting to accomplish similar things. So what I did with my move deck was I put in Jean Grey. I made it a Doom Wave type thing. I dropped Captain Marvel. I dropped all the expensive stuff. And now it's just get stats on the board early. Hope that Jean Grey allows you to figure it. Because like the way you're supposed to beat the Brood deck is targeting two lanes, right? Mm -hmm. So hope that Jean Grey allows you to figure out how big those lanes are going to be early. Get an Angela in one of them to win one and then everything else in the other one and try to win the brood matchup that way. Right. And that's sort of how it's gone so far. But um, that. what are your thoughts on? I, I forgot to mention the news, but what are your thoughts on Dr. Doom after? I think it's a, just a full reversion of the previous nerf, but now a 6-5 yeah. with five power Doom bots. I mean, he's the best six drop generically for stats and that means he's going to be played a lot because not only is he the best six drop generically for stats without a minimum restriction on him he's also the only one or the best one at affecting multiple lanes at the same time which is a fundamentally powerful thing there's a reason the six drops that are being played in his absence was magneto it is the only other six drop that does that kind of thing uh best in slot card yeah that's dr doom right now and that's fine they, I do think they should look at some other sixes and see if they can't bump them up a bit in power level. I've always sort of felt like that. But hey, I don't mind him being around. Uh, I'm glad he's back. I think that they need to push other sixes, though. I would, I would like that. Yeah, so for context, when I was going over to um, the UK tournament, Doom was actually a 6-5, and he got nerfed a couple days before, and we did get information about the OTA slightly before, because we were competing. And I will tell you that when we were testing for that tournament, Dr. Doom at a 6-5 with 5-powered Doom bots was... It was absolutely meta-warping in terms of how it affected the board. It was overwhelming the best six drop. And what deck you would put your Dr. Doom in was actually kind of a question, right? It's like, how do I... Sp I'm, sp I'm in a two-deck format. And one of the key questions I ask myself is, which deck is the Dr. Doom deck? And then the other deck I have to build without Dr. Doom, right? Which is likely bounce. But yeah, I mean, in terms of affecting the board state the way Doom does, like a lot of other six drops just don't compete. And I'll run stacks for mm -hmm. six for 15. It's just like it just is kind of the best. So Dr. Doom is sort of back with that. I think that when we nerfed Dr. Doom, it was interesting because you saw more play in other six drops like Magneto, but the effect I think was healthy for the game. It's healthy to have a, have like a, a set of six drops, right? Most six drops are affecting a single lane in a drastic way, whether it's Magneto at 612, moving things in. But Dr. Doom adds another layer onto that by threatening the multi-lane pressure, which adds a better dynamic for the players to engage with because you're asking more questions when you're seeing like, okay, what is my opponent going to drop? They're going to drop a Chavez or they're going to Dr. Doom me. It leads to a better end game paradigm, in my opinion. Yep, agree. Big fan of the doc. Okay, sweet. Well, that wraps it up for this week. So before I go into the outro, Cam, anything else you want to mention about the upcoming season pass or stuff that you have going on in your own um, sort of life or projects? No, I uh, hope people stayed with us long enough while I diatribed about my travel woes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess that's part of being a podcaster, right? When you've done it for long enough. And I feel like we're still a very young podcast, but like it's more than half a year at this point. Mm. You, you you gradually come to accept that, oh, wait, there actually are people who will listen to me complain about airlines. That's messed up. You shouldn't do that. Go do something else with your time. It is, uh, it is like watching me on twitch.tv slash KMBestMS. 
Yeah, it's a it's a deep philosophical question whether you are a forward tray table sleeper or a back sort of chair sleeper in the airplane. Um, you know, people, I wish I could be a tray table sleeper. I can't get can't, there. Yeah, I mean, same here. I I don't know if the plane's got smaller or I got bigger, but I simply cannot fit. And especially I can't if, get there. if the person in front of me leans back their chair, I will actually crush my brain. Um, so got to avoid that. Anyway, if you're listening to this podcast, like Cam said, it's been almost a year at this point. You've been listening. You haven't left a review. Honestly, what are you doing? Come on. You can help us out. It's the number one thing you can do to push this podcast. Leave us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you can't do that, or if you just want to be an all-around all-star, you can also go to YouTube. And there is a video version of this at youtube.com slash the underscore snapshot. You can like, you can subscribe, you can comment. And all of that helps us more, uh, more and more. Anyway, Twitter, at BrendanDPG, at KMBestMS. KM is streaming on Twitch. Definitely check out the VOD for the tournament. If you weren't able to see it, we'll be breaking it down next week. Um, and yeah, thank you all so much for listening. We'll actually, actually, next week we might have a very special guest. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So we will not be breaking that down. Yeah, I, I totally forgot to spoil that. Yeah, definitely. We um, might. We, no, no, we, we, we shouldn't spoil it because like, I mean, it, it's confirmed, but not confirmed. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, but we might have a very special and I, I would say the most interesting guest that we've ever had on. Mm, I would definitely agree with that statement. I think that is accurate. So stay tuned, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next week.